everyone and welcome to battle of the atom it's your weekly x-men podcast where we go through the best and worst stories of the children of the atom and battle them against each other for supreme mutant dominance on our big old list i'm zach jenkins and with me as always is adam wreck adam, how are you doing i'm good how is everything going for you zach oh, it's going you it's good? going it's fine this is a weird week, but we're getting by. All right. Tomorrow, as we record this, is actually my uh, anniversary with my wife. So well, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. I had to pick up a present today because I thought we weren't doing presents. And, oh, no, and... no, no, no. You're always doing presents, Zach. Yeah. Well, the it reminded me because like, something popped up on my phone that said, hey, your Amazon package just came in. And I said, I didn't order anything from Amazon, <laughs> and I sure didn't order Flex Mentalo. But look and behold, my wife is getting me that. That's and very she nice. doesn't know that I know. So Well, if she listens to the podcast, you know, she, early, she might. This isn't coming out. and be, This is not being edited before my uh, anniversary. I'll tell you that much. Anniversary spoiler alert. That's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. So today we have three more exciting X stories for yeah. everyone here. We got some good the, stuff this week, too. We do. We have some stuff that I really, really like. And then we have your pick, which we'll get to. <laughs> the insane one. It's oh, crazy. It's crazy. crazy. Prepare yourself. Bananas. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll get to it. But first, we have a story. And that story uh, is very popular. Adam, are you aware, I'm sure you are, that this is the best-selling comic book ever of all time of all time yes i am aware this, it's probably this. because of me buying like 20 copies of it when i was a kid <laughs> yeah i i i did not do that but i've read it in several different forms and it's great it's x-men mutant genesis from x-men volume 2 1 2 and 3 it is written by the one the only chris claremont and jim lee Pencils by Jim Lee, with inks by Scott Williams, and colors by Joe Rosas. Now, on colors, because colors are very important on this. I was going to make a note about that. Go ahead. What color do you imagine the cover of this? Because there are like three prominent images floating around with three different background colors on this. And I think every, I feel like everyone has a different opinion of what it is. I, for me, it's got to be the original printing or nothing. I think so I got it, into a conversation with somebody about this within the last couple months. I, there are multiple recolored versions of these issues, of these trades, mm-hmm. and none of them work for me. <laughs> none of them. It's got to be the original colors or, or it just takes me out of the story. Right. So you, you're, a, you're a red cover, you know, put four, four of them together in their Mylar bags on your desk and look at them kind of guy. Oh, okay. I was talking about the the, the re-released versions, like oh, yeah, Genesis the 2.0. 2.0 or whatever. But no, for me, it's got to be gatefold. Yep. Um, got to be gatefold. I mean, this has to be, I think, what did I write down here? This is probably the coolest comic book of all time. There is a reason that this is the best-selling comic book of all time, uh, well, at least with number one. What's, what's that? That and the five covers. 
Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you, it's it's same thing they did with uh, with Spider Man and 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 the uh, the bag. But I feel like all right. It, this is another thing that I, I was thinking about just from a sales perspective. If you go back and you read Spider Man Torment, doesn't really hold up. You know what I mean? It's a right. lot of like sound effects and uh, you know McFarlane kind of flexing his his pencils. Uh, X Force One has its merits. We'll probably cover that at some point. But this is just beginning to end the story. The packaging of it is so smart. If you got that gatefold edition, like I did and you opened it up and noticed that there's no ads in this thing, there's a double sided uh, gatefold on the back, right. which you could buy two copies and frame one, which I know some people do. Right. Um, you know, you've got pinup art. It's more content than your average issue. You this got- was worth the money at the time. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the pinup art for a second. Sure. Is it weird that we're we're just talking about all of the uh, fluff of this issue so far? Because the fluff, I feel like, is actually really important to it. It is. I think it's really important to how exciting this was when it came out. Um, you know, then making the disappointment of Lee jumping to Image all the greater for me. Um, you know, I was a buyer of Wildcats just like a lot of people were. But, right. you know, those that first you know, dozen issues, they are very fun. You know, they are the quintessential animated series style of, uh, you know, what a lot of people grew up on and a lot of people attached to. So it makes sense, you know? No, it's, it's a, it's cool. That's what this book is. It is very cool. It's got this Jim Lee style and it's, it is nineties X-Men. Like this is, this is the distilled. If I close my eyes real tight, this is what I think of when it comes to X-Men. Mm-hmm. You've and on top of it, you've got Chris Claremont writing, and I don't think either one of us are going to be, you know, saying the wrong thing if we say that this may not be Chris Claremont's best story. I think no, Jim Lee but... had a lot of a lot no, of influence absolutely. on this one. Yeah, I mean that's always the story, right? Is that um, when Lee jumped in, wasn't happy with the direction of the book. He didn't like that there really wasn't a team, and was interested in bringing it back to like this core you know, superhero aesthetic, the redesigns come in here, um, you know, for better or for worse. I think, you know, when Lee draws the redesigns of the costumes, they look great. When other people draw them for the next 20 years, it's a little iffy, right? It, it depends. Yeah. But sure. Lee makes them look the best. Yeah. Um, but in defense of Claremont's story here, I, I think it's an interesting pitch, you know, for, for a restart. Um, it, it is extremely problematic for the what happens next and for what the lingering effects of this are um, because they shape where the entire franchise goes for a very, very long time. And those ways are not always really positive. Um, right. You know, taken by itself in the bite-sized chunk of just three issues, I, I like the fact that, okay, we're getting a weird Magneto story that draws from one of the most obscure parts of continuity you know, uh, this, the, the, the baby storyline with McTaggart. Right. Um, the fact so, that Magneto got turned into a baby back in Defenders 16 <laughs> is important uh, to this. Defenders right. 16. Right. Not so here, here you are. You're, you're brand new to the book, right? You know, there's so many people that bought this book without 
being an X-Men reader first or, or being a lifelong fan, whatever it is. And even it doesn't matter if you're, <laughs> you know, a hardcore fan or if you're just a newbie, you probably had no idea what this was. Yeah. You know, what what is this subplot that's going on here um, that is vital to the story? But yeah, you know, I think I think the story has some weird weird beats in it i think it's odd that the entire team or the entire blue team gets brainwashed at the end of issue two and then the green or green gold team they they brought those color codings back recently i should know that better (laughs) get with your branding resurrection resurrection it's a very prominent x resurrection yes yes that's about right (laughs) uh but i i think i don't know i don't to me i don't think the story hits well I think it's carried a lot by the art. I think Claremont is doing a lot of good stuff with it. I think he's getting there, but you can tell this is a guy who's been doing this for 17 years and he knows he's done. He wants to tell something serviceable. And yeah. I mean, I to me, I think this is very much Jim Lee's book. I think mm-hmm. Jim Lee does a good job. Like there's a reason Jim Lee's one of the biggest guys in comics. Yeah, and this book does a lot of smart. You know, he knows what he's doing. Um, You know, there's a reason that not only is there this comic, but like somewhere in a drawer upstairs, I have the trading card series where he drew every (laughs) single card, you know, even the holograms. Like he's extremely intelligent about marketing, about style, about, you know, what people like. Um, And I've read this a million times and and I don't get tired of it. Right. Is it? peak Claremont. No, we know that he's, you know, in retrospect, he's on his way out. Um, and it shows a little bit, but, uh, it's still a very, very enjoyable book. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I do think for me, it's a bit more style over substance, but it's really good style. Yeah. And the other negative, which I would say, um, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but there's, um, the fallout from, what this is, you know, the fact that we have to sift through a decade's worth of how many X-Men books coming out in a single year, you know, it's, it numbers in the hundreds. Um, and then some of the concepts that come out of this story, like, you know, the acolytes are around for way too long. I'm not a fan of them as characters. I was never a fan of Fabian Cortez, um, Fabian Cortez. you know, this leads to Exodus. This leads to Joseph, um, you know, ideas that kind of all, everything seems to feel like it needs to go back to this, um, fatal attractions needs to like be the sequel to this. Um, so there, there is some negative to it, but I gotta say it, it holds a, a very good place in our heart. Should we think about where it should go on the list? We should think about where it should go on the list. Okay. Now let's see about our halfway or halfway point right now. We have nine stories on the list. Yeah. Number five is Excalibur Mojo Mayhem, mm-hmm. which is a story that's driven by a lot of fun, a lot of Art Adams, but is a little a little bit fluff. Yes, and and you know filled with uh, meta industry references, right? Right. All right. Do you, but above that, above that is Giant Size X Men number one. Yeah, this is better than that. You you think this is better than Giant Size Number One? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If okay. I'm gonna go, because if I'm gonna pick this off a shelf, it, I I think where our list is right now, I would put this at number three. Um, I would put this 
ahead of the dupe story from Wolverine and the, the X Men. Ahead of the dupe story from Wolverine yes. and the X Men. Absolutely, because this and I'm speaking from a, a lot of nostalgia here, you know. Right. But I'm going to read this again. You know what I mean? Like I know I shouldn't. I know it's junk food, um, but it's really good tasting junk food. <laughs> so where would you place it on the list? Do you, you want to put it at five below giant size? X-Men? No, see, here's the thing. I, I think you're absolutely right in that. I'm going to read this more than I'm going to read giant size. I yeah. know giant size very well. I could, I can recite specific pages from giant size, but I don't think, I think when we talked about giant size, we know giant size is important, but it may not be the best of everything. No. I, I don't think this is better than Wolverine volume one okay which i think we agree with that yeah that wolverine and the x-men it's fun it's a good thing but uh, i think i think, I think it's fair i think it's fair to put this for now at number three yeah I, this I, can be... another thing to think about is you could hand this to anybody right like yeah, this, that was the this point. would easily be as it's designed to be like anybody's first x-men book and, and it, it works very well in that capacity it holds up all right so at number three on our list, X-Men numbers one through three, Mutant Genesis. Nice. That's a good entry. Our next our next book on this list is a more recent title. And could not be more different, I think. Could not be more different. This is... Oh, before we get to that, before we get yeah. to that. In fact, I will just edit this from the end of that. Uh, I want to I let everyone know that Mutant Genesis got added to this list... Thanks to Patreon supporter Jeff Robert, who donated to our generous Patreon for this website and podcast and all of this stuff to get Mutant Genesis bumped up to the top to nice. uh, get it ranked. So thank you, Jeff. See, I'm not the only one that likes this. <laughs> yeah, right. There are dozens of us. No, actually, I got the I got the stats back from the first episode. And you guys, I do want to say thank you for listening because you impressed me. I did not expect this many people to want to listen to it and they did so thank you are you That's still great. there adam because it i just got give me a little error message but we're good we're good are you still hearing me yeah uh zencaster does stuff like that for every once in a while okay but yeah uh the so let's give me a second and we will be cutting all this out and i am just working my mouth up to saying the right words deep breath <laughs> sorry the neck. Oh man, freak! I just hit all of my computer and made a big noise as I was saying things. <laughs> the next book on our list is a recent one. This is X Men Worst X Men Ever One through Five. This came out in 2016. It was written by Max Bemis, with pencils by Michael Walsh and colors by pencils and inks by walsh and colors by ruth redmond now let me ask you adam i know you are a bit older than i am what do you know about max bemis nothing okay 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 so max bemis is a comic book writer but really more than, <laughs> yes yes in fact but more than that max bemis is the songwriter guitarist and frontman for the band Say Anything, who was an emo band that was very influential when I was 13. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, huh. 
their album dot 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 is a real boy is a game-changing album that got me through a lot of weird rebellious stuff in my teens and oddly holds up when a lot of the music i listened to then didn't Hmm. and he wrote a really good x-men book oh man this is awesome i yeah. love this book this is the story of bailey hoskins who is the worst x-man ever he's just a regular everyday normal kid who finds out that he has the mutant ability to blow up yep. once. Just once. Just the one time. That's it. <laughs> Just the one time. And it does a best of of the X-Men as world as he's going through meeting people, trying to find his place, jumping to different teams, seeing where he fits, trying to work his way around the social structure of the X-Universe. It is a... It's a delightful, delightful book. Yes, and and also a withering criticism <laughs> as you go through. Uh, you oh know, yeah, there is some wonderful meta commentary here uh, about you know the teams and individual characters, and it goes from beginning till the very last page. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Well, and for me, it came out at the right time because this came out beginning of 2016. This was at the uh, start of the all-new, all-different era. The Terrigen Mist stuff was going on. Right. And there, this book needed to happen. Yeah. This book needed to be there to remind people that this is the core of what X-Men is. I, I'm still frankly surprised that this book exists. I mean, it it, it is a bit critical, you know, of oh, yeah. uh, basically everything from the pitched and publishing process all the way through to becoming a finished product. Uh, I think originally, if I remember correctly, this was published digitally, right? Yeah. It was a digital first, digital first. And then, you know, the, the actual prints came out maybe a month later. Um, it's fantastic. It's, yeah. it's just got such a smart, uh, a setup, you know, the idea that uh, the X-Men are kind of like these cool kids in the cafeteria that you have mm -hmm. no ability to sit with. Um, <laughs> the characterization is dead on, you oh, know, yeah. from the very first Sentinel attack when, when Wolverine just comes out, you know, cursing and the Sentinel steps on his parents and it's like, Oh, well, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's move on with the rest of the book. Um, but then of course I think the star of the show doesn't happen to be Bailey at all. Um, it happens when we introduce this amazing concept of the character of Miranda uh, mm -hmm. later on um, as being the the character responsible for the floating time continuity that, that we see in the Marvel Universe. I mean, that alone is one of the most brilliant concepts I've ever seen in a comic book. Um, and, and still to this day, I'm trying to think of something that, that rivals it. Yeah, it's it's a incredibly smart book and i i don't want to not talk about the beautiful art by michael walsh oh, this gorgeous. is it's a chris samney style it's not incredibly detailed but it's vibrant it's energetic it has emotion it is such a classic comic look and that feels important that feels mm -hmm. incredibly important in a story like this also really helping that are Ruth Redman's colors. They I was just about to say that. I'm glad you mentioned her because the, the colors are so important to this. Um, you know, even the way that she works over the line work on a lot of the pages, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's this book was such a surprise to me when it was coming out. I, I just I knew that 
you know, Max Bemis was a guy I liked. I had read a uh, story he did in A plus X, and I wasn't thrilled with it. Mm -hmm. But this, oh, it just, it blew my mind when it came out, and I was so happy to see it. I mean, just the one moment I do want to touch on is at the end of uh, issue four. The worst X-Men table? Okay, that's the second moment. That's the moment that made me uh, stay up till 1 a.m. after someone texted me that Maggot was there. And I was like, Maggot's in a comic book and it's 2017? 16? Oh my gosh, I gotta go find this. I gotta I gotta read this right now. Here you go, Comixology. Take my money. Uh, and my wife Cyclops is, like, is at the table as well. Am okay, but he knows what he did. <laughs> it's great. To everyone who's about to at me, I love Cyclops. He's number one on my list. You can not even start with it. He is also kind of the worst. Yeah, but it, that whole scene just is such a, a demonstration of why this book should not exist. You know that, and I, I don't know if you were leading up to the what happened to certain X Men. Uh, I wasn't, but that was a, that's a that that's actually really dark, and I don't like that. That makes me sad. Okay. This book makes me happy and sad at the same time, which is important. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it, dark. Like, yeah, it does a lot of good emotional stuff because it plays with X Men Dark Futures. It plays with all of this stuff but to me the one moment that exemplifies it is at the end of issue four bailey is confessing to professor xavier that the brotherhood had recruited him to you know murder professor xavier and was blackmailing him and he says he just asked the professor why they fight this all seems pointless oh uh, yeah and professor xavier goes on a very touching speech about how you know what i don't really know what i'm doing i I'm, I'm trying. I think this is the best for mutant kind. And I don't know if this is going to make a big difference in the long run, but I know that for this moment, it's going to be, it's going to help someone out there. And that's important. Mm -hmm. And that really hits me. This is, this is a book that I would recommend to anyone who's, you know, a fan of X-Men who has a knowledge of it. And they want something that really challenges the medium and challenges the way they think about these characters. It's, such a standout. Yeah. And, and this also came out at a time when we had just been treated to a lot of experimentation with the secret wars minis. Um, there's some very good stuff there. Um, oh yeah. When we get the chance to talk about years of future past at some point, mm -hmm. um, you know, and th there's just a, a lot of experimentation that happens within those. So I'm glad that editorially they were willing to take a risk on something like this because it's fantastic and it, yeah. it's original and it steps out of the box in ways that we're not even, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff happening in the line right now. Um, I don't want to get too critical of that, but um, you know, this is very, very outside of what we would expect normally. What just since you're talking about editors, do you know who edited this? Hashtag make mine milkshake herself, Heather Antos. Oh, Hey, or make milkshake as well. Or as you know, she may be better known that for one? something similar to this. <laughs> Gwenpool, yep. she's the editor for Gwenpool, which is playing around with a lot of these concepts. Yes. Yeah. Which... I mean, I'm, I'm glad that that is also existing, um, you know, to play around with some of these same out of the box meta. What's a panel? What's a gutter? You know, <laughs> uh, ideas. It's great that those things exist and that yeah. the publisher is willing to take risks on them. Yeah, this is this is good. Now. Here's the question. A similar book on our list already is Wolverine and the X-Men 17, the one with yep. Dupe. Mm -hmm. I think this is better than that. What's your thoughts? 
I absolutely think it's better than that. Yeah, and that's a good issue. I, you know, I actually think it's it's better than Mutant Genesis to, in my eyes, and I yeah, love it's better Mutant, than Mutant Genesis. Genesis. So I, now, I thought we were going to fight about that, but we, no, it's better. So than is, it, is it better than Miller and Claremont's Wolverine? I want to say no, and the reasons why just a lot of it comes down to one that Claremont Miller Wolverine is so iconic. It means so much like i i said something on twitter last week that there are two things that two important stories that make wolverine wolverine one is the miller claremont wolverine and the other is the okay bubs you had your shot now it's my turn issue in dark phoenix saga dark phoenix that's that's wolverine in a nutshell it is those two things and every other Wolverine story comes from that. And I think that while Worst X-Man ever is incredibly good, I don't think it reaches those heights. No. And I also don't, you know, just to give it its credit, something like Worst X-Man ever couldn't exist without, you know, the explosion of love for X-Men in the 90s that Mutant Genesis created yes. um, in the animated series. However, just from an aesthetic point of view, from a writing point of view, it's, it's a better book. Yeah. I, I just think it, it, it has, it's taking more risks. It's more uh, interesting stylistically. Um, so I think it should go at number three. I, I think that's perfectly fair. So our new number three is X-Men worst X-Men ever. Awesome. Nice. Our last okay. book for the week. <laughs> this one this is not for the week. <laughs> this one's on you, Adam. You, you chose this one. You chose the new mutants summer special from the summer of 1990 it is an 80 page vidiot's delight oh man and as the cover says it is bonkers oh my uh, in every sense of the word um Let's, yeah i mean yeah <laughs> I'm not even start... sure how to talk about this. Do we want to try and give a quick synopsis of what, I, I think what the, the plot is? I think there's two names that make this, and it's this is an Anna Senti book. Right. And look, I, I know there are people who only know Anna Senti from the New 52. Anna Senti's a really good writer. Uh, like, yeah. I, I haven't read her New 52 stuff. I am inclined to believe that it's not great. Uh, Anna Senti's a good writer, though. She's also kind of bonkers and maybe a little on the nose when it comes to messages oh so on the nose uh like inside your nose (laughs) yeah she's not subtle and then the art is by brett blevins who's known a lot for new mutants and has a very cartoony Mm -hmm. style colors on this were by greg wright but no offense greg i don't know you Mm. i assume you're very good at coloring because colors in this book are good but they aren't the part that sticks with me Adam, I'd like you to describe for our readers, listeners, whoever, what is this thing? All right. So I'm going to try and do this as simply as possible. Four members of the New Mutants, Sunspot, Wolfsbane, Boom Boom, and Warlock, basically get sucked into TV. And there is a withering criticism of uh, the world, its politics, uh, the way that the media covers things. Um there's a subplot involving a polluted river um, and then some a variety of different strange characters and creatures that they meet along the way until eventually they come out the other side. And I'm assuming there's supposed to be some sort of overriding um, message here. 
I'm not sure what that is. I, um, I think Nesenti thinks that television is bad. I've gotten that far. I think she thinks the 24-hour news cycle is bad. I think she thinks all politicians are bad. And I think she thinks that sad children standing in a polluted river is a bad thing. I don't I, know what I, she means beyond that. I, I I feel like there's got to be, at least in an in intention, some more nuance to it. Um, what's What's hard about this is that... And what I love about this book is that it is an absolute free for all for Blevins to just go absolutely nuts on every single page. You know, we saw him evolve over his New Mutants run um, as a, a person who's great with expressions, with uh, with poses, um, you know, with exaggerated features and and all of this stuff. Um, this is him just completely on fire. Oh yeah, on every page. This is it's this wondrous is, to, to watch. This is Tex Avery esque. This is a living cartoon. He his warlock in here is fabulous, and I will always judge an artist based on how good or how bad their warlock is. He draws a good warlock. Yeah, I think all four of the New Mutants are. Um, you know, really well depicted throughout Boom Boom is this is like classic Boom Boom. Um, you know, Rain is is depicted wonderfully. I, I think one of the things that you and I have, have uh, talked about in terms of what this book is and why, another reason why it's just so bizarre is that this is, you know, sort of a last hurrah mm-hmm. um, uh, for for these characters. We're only a, a really a year out from the X-Force relaunch. And, and here this is almost a almost a fallen angels esque kind of, uh, of story where we're just departing. It really doesn't have anything to do with continuity. And, um, I mean, you know, there's so much conversation in the, in, in, uh, the comics world right now about politics and comics, you know, and (laughs) this book fascinates me for existing, you know, the fact that it is, talking about whatever it wants, however it wants. It it does not look like there's a tremendous amount of editorial oversight here. It's, Hey, we've got two very talented people here. Let's let them cut loose and go nuts. Um, it it clearly isn't very, you know, 100% cohesive and successful, Yeah, but I like that it exists. I like that things like this are out there and that, you know, artists and writers got to experiment and play around with, uh, you know, the medium. And I agree with all of that. That being said, I think that this is way more interesting than it is good. Like, sure. I, I mean, this this was my first time reading it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And all I, I, I just had to sit down and say, what is this? What am I reading? How does this exist? I'm so confused. What's happening? The plot doesn't make sense. There's a lot of in-your-nose political allegory going on here. It's just bananas. I don't understand this book. I thought it looked very nice. I thought there were a lot of good ideas. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it was too abstract for me. Like, there's a certain level of plot, uh, not continuity, cohesiveness. Plot mm-hmm. cohesiveness that I need from a story that I did not get out of this. Like we were, we yeah. were talking before the, we were recording about a uh, Stray Toasters by Bill Sienkiewicz, and mm-hmm. that's a story for those of you who haven't read it, uh, where the writing is exactly like if you took Bill Sienkiewicz's crazy, moody, 
abstract art and threw it into words. And that one was tough to follow. This made that look like C-Spot Run. Mm. I just, I lost myself the entire time on it. Yeah. So I think that's the big criticism of this is it may be too bonkers for its own good. Oh, it's it's extremely bonkers. And it, it, it harkens back to the long shot mini, um, which was much more episodic in its weirdness. Yes. You know, each, each issue kind of had its own weird element, but then there was a through line. And here, I think the through line is the new mutants are there. And Blevins gets to draw them doing wacky things. But beyond that, you know, we, we sort of lose, uh, like you said, the cohesiveness of it. So um, I think this is a tricky one to put onto the list, honestly, because it's, it's almost a non-story uh, in I, a lot of ways. So here's, here's, here's what I know. Okay. I know that it is not better than Mojo Mayhem at no. number seven on our list. I no. know that it is not worse than God Loves Man Kills 2. I think that's uh, where I would put it is uh, below no more humans. No more humans is number 10 on our list. And I think that's fair that because okay. like deadly Genesis, I don't like, I know you like it more than I do, but I think that I'd rather read deadly Genesis for bizarrely a third time than, uh, uh, than this. And I think I'd rather read no more humans again. So our new number 11 on the list is the new mutants summer special, uh, What's that thing where you parenthesis things? Parenthesis the bonkers PV one. PV one. Keyword bonkers. Oh, yeah. But as bonkers as that was, that does it for this episode. I think we found some good stories and we got them on a good, good list. Uh, so yeah. if you enjoyed everything we did on the podcast or you want to get one of your stories added to this list, you can do one of two things. One, go to XavierFiles.com and go find the request page, which is up on the menu bar. Click it and request any story you want. But if you want that story to reach the very tippity top of our to-do list, you can go to Patreon.com slash XavierFiles and donate as little as $2 to get onto the Battle of the Atom list. You also get a bunch of fun little things that you can go to the Patreon to find out, and it supports everything that happens on this show. So, there's that. Uh, beyond that, if you uh, want to see more about what we do, you can find me at Xavier Files, where I do weekly articles about cool X-Men things, and on the Twitter at Xavier Files. And Adam Reck, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can go to adamreck.tumblr.com uh, if you want to read my webcomic, Bish and Jubes. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Yeah. So that uh that does it. I can tell you for sure next week you got a good one in front of you because we are going to do the Dark Angel saga. We are going to talk about Wounded Wolf, that one really good issue where it is some Barry Windsor Smith art and Wolverine and the Power Pack. And we are going to finally get into the Silver Age with the first ever Juggernaut story. Yay. Until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. I hope you survived the experience. Get it!